0: I'm Nora Resnick
1: and I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, Beaver Talk is a successful late night show. Emma Thompson is hair goals. A diverse
0: writer's room is the rule, not the exception.
1: Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television, the glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Talk.
0: hi you just started laughing so hard during that intro i
1: literally almost just like closed my notes and i was like done (laughs) so you're going into the themes (laughs) over before it began it's over i mean we said all we can say well thanks for listening this has been beaver talk (laughs) (laughs) no we actually have a full show planned um Hi, welcome. Thank you. Thank you I for having so me here to, again. Yeah, of course. Favorite, Always happy to have you back. My favorite place to be. Um, what's up? How's it going? It's going pretty well. Great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm an awkward
1: human. Um, Can I tell my favorite story about you being an awkward human? I don't. There's so many I that I literally you don't, don't know, know what. Yeah, you don't know what's coming. Please tell the world. Um, Can't wait. My favorite awkward story about you. Is we were walking to, I'm looking, by the way, I'm looking over to the producers for some help
0: and neither of them are making eye contact with me. Nothing is happening over there.
1: Um, We had an awkward experience with a car to go together (laughs) (laughs) where the emergency brake would not release. We got
0: into the car to take it somewhere and like whoever had used it before had pulled up the emergency brake and I couldn't put it down.
1: Yes. Right. We couldn't release the emergency brake. So we called a man at Cardigo who happened to be Scottish. And you said to him, Are you Scottish? And he was like, Yes. And you were like, Oh, I'm going to be in Edinburgh next week. And he was like, Great. He did not care. He didn't care at all. Anyways, that's not the funny part. The most awkward part about you is not that we couldn't release the brake. We then started walking to another Cardigo and there was a couple walking <laughs> a dog in front of us. And you went, Oh, hello there. And you said, I just say hello to dogs. And the couple turned around because they thought you were talking to them. You were talking to the dogs. Yeah. So then you had to do this whole song and dance of like, oh, and hi to you too. And they just didn't. Right. No, I made it clear to them my initial hello was not for their benefit. Right. And so we didn't talk to those people at all and walked a block with them. So it was awkward. That's one of my favorite Nora Resnick moments. Of which there are many awkward moments. Oh, so good. Um, How are you doing? What are we? We're here to talk today about a sh- you Yes, yeah, so you need I'm to intro gonna, this because well, so this episode is happening because of you. Well,
0: I, that, that's maybe going too far, but we're here to talk about Late Night, Mindy Kaling's movie starring herself and Emma Thompson and then some men.
1: Um, <laughs> we can take that oh. out. Um, All I- of them. We could take all of them out.
0: It's coming later, though. Um, and I'm I'm excited to talk to you about this because I feel like when it was in theaters, I saw the movie in theater. Did you see the movie in theaters, Diana? No. <laughs> um, I feel like I brought it up as a potential Beaver Talk episode, and I was like, oh, I think it would fit really well in the theme of Hollywood and feminism. And I feel like you were like, ugh. You were like, do we, like it just seems so trite and boring. And I was like, okay, cool, <laughs> cool, 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 cool.
1: I'd like to think I wasn't that
0: harsh. No, you were lovely about it as always, but for, for drama's sake.
1: Right, for storytelling purposes. For storytelling
0: purposes, you said, I was a real idiot." Thompson about it. Yeah, you said, you're an idiot, Nora. No, and then threw something at me across the office. Yeah. That this, is ha- that's how no, that's, I remember it. That's, that's how it actually yeah. happened.
1: Yeah. Right, so... Here we are today doing an episode about late night because this movie is a gem. It is a gem. I think it's
0: like such a lovely, um, kind of a romantic comedy without the romance or like rom between uh, between the women. There's like a, a, a girl man, like a whatever the equivalent of a bromance is.
1: Oh, there is is there a female equivalent of a bromance? Friendship. Um, <laughs> Um, I feel like I just got told. Uh,
0: no, not by no, I didn't friendship. Um, but I found it to be delightful and it fits into one of my favorite categories of movies which is uh, uh or entertainment in general, which is like talking about like somewhat serious heavy things in a really lighthearted easy way which i love both because um then i feel good when i'm watching something and i don't have to it doesn't have to be like so heavy and and uh you know weighty and upsetting um, and also because i think actually that's how societal change is more like that's how art affects societal change more is when it's like normalized rather than being a hard hitting movie discussing gender politics in the workplace it's a lighthearted movie discussing gender politics in the workplace. Yes. and And entertainment in particular. Yeah. What do you think of it?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think I need to trust Mindy Kaling more. I think that the reason why I didn't take this movie seriously, like to go see it in theaters, not that, not take the movie itself seriously, take like, the reason why I didn't feel the need to go see it is because I felt that the Mindy project ended on such a horrible Bad, not good, very bad note. And I was just nervous that this was kind of like the first movie that Mindy's going to write. And like, she's back and like, it's so good. And I watched the trailer and I loved the trailer because Emma Thompson is my TV mom. And like, I loved the trailer. I loved the concept of it, but it just went nowhere. It's a huge, and we'll talk about this a little bit more. It's a huge disappointment for Amazon Studios. Um, the movie was marketed really poorly and didn't make any money. It was sold for $13 million at Sundance and it was one of the highest sellers that year. And I think it grossed like next to nothing, not even close to that, like 5 million in its first week. So it was a flop. And that's not to say you shouldn't go see movies that don't perform well at the box office that really has, unless you're Produced by Marvel Studios, you don't perform well at the box office lately, but um, nobody was talking about it. And so I just felt like if none of my feminist, like the women Community. I... Yeah. If like nobody that I, whose opinions I respect in like the film criticism and pop culture world are talking about something, I genuinely ignore it as a rule. So you don't respect my opinion about <laughs> Got it, got it, got You're it. You're not on that list is what I'm saying. No, I and understand. So I know
0: my place. Now
1: you are. I'm happy th- to report. To I've oh earned it. Oh my God, stop. So, but yeah, I think that this movie is so brilliant in some ways. I did not think it was so good in other ways. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um so I, let's get into it. Like, Yeah, and I want to preface that,
0: what I was saying before, yeah. or not preface it, but- Add an addendum that, yeah, I don't think this was a perfect movie, but I did find it to be a delightful one.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm being handed something from our producer. It went, it slept.
0: <laughs> um, I'm so curious. I
1: know. Oh, we got some numbers. Breaking news. Domestically, this movie made $15.5 million. Foreign, it made $5 million. Uh, worldwide, it made $20 million. Not great when you bought it for 13 and I'm pretty sure I didn't read all the way to the bottom of that list, but I'm pretty sure it cost forty million to make. Or so did not read four million to make four million. That's
0: four million to make a different number. Um,
1: that's a different number for sure. Either way, either way, I think this sucks because it perpetuates a narrative that these movies starring incredible female leads talking about issues that are extremely important to Hollywood right now, they don't make money. These movies are not going to be made. So here is maybe an intention I would like to set for our conversation as to why this movie should be made why it was made, and why more movies like it should be made. Mm. so jump in anywhere. do you want to start by talking maybe favorite things um sure uh yeah i mean I, I I like first of all, I like
0: Mindy Kaling's humor. I think she like has a good voice of a generation um Wow yeah. just going straight to the top um. So, yeah, I liked, I liked the sort of, like, it was a little, like, it was a little trite, but I liked the kind of overcoming, like, a tough workplace environment um, for her. I, and I liked, um, uh, you know, Emma Thompson as, as, like, an unapologetic boss bitch. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. Yeah. I think this movie is a really solid build on The Devil Wears Prada. I think that movie didn't age necessarily all that well. It's it's kind of gone back and forth with when it came out. People really loved it. It was iconic. Meryl Streep as Miranda Priestly, a.k.a. Anna Winter, was like all anybody could talk about. But then it started to face, you know, as the years went on, it started to face quite a bit of backlash around how we treat women in powers of mm-hmm. or how we treat women in Uh, positions of authority and in positions of power why Anna Wintour gets such a raw deal in the media because she is a woman and because you know men act like that all the time and just because she is a woman who works with other women she's expected to be a different person Mm -hmm. um and so the devil wears Prada kind of always comes up as this feminist stand this feminist standard in showing the double standard Mm -hmm of how we villainize women who are in positions of authority. Mm-hmm. And I think Late Night took its cues from those conversations. I think that Mindy Kaling had a really nice finger on the pulse when she was writing this script of how she wanted to build on that narrative while also sub- doing some things better.
0: Yeah, I think so too. But I think it was also w- one of the things that kept coming up for me when I was watching it is I think Mindy Kaling was herself in that position yeah. um, where she was, you know, she got her big break at the office but from a diversity program, which I think, you know, which sort of comes up in the movie. Um, her character, it's not through a typical diversity program, but it, you know... No, but she's hired because she is a woman. Right, she's hired because she's a woman, and so Mindy Kaling got her break in real life through a diversity program, and I'm sure that was not an easy space to walk into. Um, and, you know, she... I'm sure, felt like she had to prove herself. But then right after The Office, she's, she's show running uh, the mini project. Um, and so for me watching it, I, I felt like it was some interesting insight into situations that maybe she's really experienced and had to deal with as a, as a leader of a predominantly male, predominantly white, industry that's like not super welcoming to anybody who's outside of that demographic.
1: Yeah, totally. And she wrote um Emma Thompson's character for Emma Thompson. Mm-hmm. And I think I love when movies do that. I think there's something very like satisfying and full circle about that because it always works out. I don't think I've ever seen a movie that like the character wasn't written for the actor and it didn't pan out. Like there's just something I don't I love it. Maybe if I was an auditioning actor, I would absolutely hate that. Because- I have a, a funny side all. story. I have a friend who
0: um, was an actor and he was auditioning a lot and would work a decent amount, enough to get like a little bit of a name. Um, in, in the industry, you, he, wouldn't, he was far from a household name and there's a casting breakdown that said for a, his name type, like they were, I don't want to say his name, but like they were casting for a John Doe um, type and he went in to read and they did not hire him even though they were using him as the standard for that part. Which <laughs> oh, is, my <laughs> God.
1: Heartbreaking. So it does happen. Um, but, yeah, I think that you're so right. I think this was really cathartic for Mindy Kaling to write this. You can kind of tell there's a depth there and there's a subtlety in the role um, that she plays that it could have gone very stereotypical. Mm-hmm. Of like, it's hard to be the only woman in an all-male writer's room and this is so frustrating and does a really nice job, mostly through her acting, um, of kind of showing how ridiculous it is and just how, like, everyone's aware it's ridiculous, but there's just such a way of this is how it's been that nobody thinks to change it. And I love when um, Catherine, uh, who's played by Emma Thompson, starts coming to all the writing meetings, Mm -hmm. and they have to all suddenly show their work, essentially, and they all have to suddenly... She kind of has this... um, this process where she doesn't call them by name she calls them by number and it's the best idea wins so the guy who's used to writing the monologues um, now kind of has to be thrown in the ranks with everybody else and they're all kind of competing with who has the best jokes and they have historically not been writing political stuff they don't want her to com- comment on being a woman they right, don't want her older or being older yeah. and so Mindy Kaling kind of brings in this fresh perspective of you're going to start talking about stuff that only you can speak to because that's what makes your show unique. Yeah, as a host.
0: Well, and I felt like and I'm not super up on the the real late night show politics and everything, but I feel like to for what from what I do know of it, it I feel like it was so clearly pulled from real life situations of like I think Craig Ferguson is a good example of a of a host who was sort of like doing his own thing a little bit yeah. and and you know I think there was a lot pulled from that, and then also Stephen Colbert, I think when he first took over um he was playing it safe a lot mm-hmm. and then Eventually, once he started to get back into, like, his political commentary, which he does so well, I think he initially was moving away from that because he didn't want it to be confused with the Colbert Report. Yeah. But, like, his ratings were suffering until he went and, like, actually commented on, from his own point of view and his own experience and, like, what's happening in the world. And then his show started to pick up ratings. So I kind of liked to see, like, a correlation um, on screen and and what might be happening in some real late night show worlds.
1: Yeah, I think it did I think this movie like it just turns over the rock in a way that it's not meant to be salacious, it's not meant to be surprising, it's not meant to be you know, this is a diverse uh writers room is not necessarily the ingredients for what makes a really great comedy. Like and maybe that's part of the problem of why this flopped is cuz you watch the trailer and you kind of have to get it or you don't. Mm. And um I was just looking it up here, but Mindy Kaling worked for Conan O'Brien as an intern at one point in time. And I think that, you know, in thinking about her experience of just what she's done in her career so far, she was just in such a great position to write this story. And um, I just really appreciated it. I really loved it. Uh, The other thing that I thought was very Devil Wears Prada-esque is when um, Emma Thompson at one point tells Mindy Kaling that she was only hired because she is a woman and she flat out needed that perspective in her writer's room and Mindy is understandably very hurt by this and quits um cold turkey and Emma Thompson finds her in Coney Island <laughs> in her new apartment and you know she buzzes her or her doorman buzzes Mindy and Mindy's like no she can come up here if she like you can grovel you can do the sixth floor walk up if you want to come apologize to me And it just reminded me of the scene in the car with Devler's Prada where Miranda talks to Anne Hathaway's character, and there's this level playing field because they're both sitting beside each other. And it's such an important scene in the film. And in Late Night, I thought what made kind of a cool build is that Emma Thompson, as the authority figure, has to go to Mindy Kaling to talk about this and to heal their friendship Mm. and figure out what next steps are and if there is any way to kind of work together again um and I thought there was just something so real and nice and feminist about that I don't know I think that it just it it felt uh very of its time to me it felt very like uh something that we maybe haven't seen before yeah she's a young writer like she doesn't need to respect her she could replace her but there's I think there's something that was really uh nuanced there I agree um things that maybe we didn't like about the
0: movie or weren't
1: as strong I was about to name um there's a me too so there's a moment in this movie she has an affair with one of her writers and it comes out um, Emma Thompson does yes yeah, sorry Emma Thompson has an affair with one of her writers and she had the affair we're supposed to understand like many years prior
0: yeah it well, was it's not it ha, it, it's it not was current. a thing that happened it, her husband has parkinson's um, which is an aside. My father had Parkinson's, and I, the second John Lithgow was on screen, I was like, he has Parkinson's. Like, he did such a good job. I was like, oh, that's... I, I knew immediately. Um, so Really? Way to go, John Lithgow. You know how to act. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if you know this. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Newsflash. <laughs> you heard
1: it here on Baber Talk first.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was, you know, and he's, he's already somewhat years progressed into his diagnosis, so I think the affair happened sort of... Right around when he was first diagnosed, is what I remember from Mm -hmm. the movie. So, yes, it was some years ago.
1: Yeah. So, it's, I think it was a nod to what happened with David Letterman. Um, But in this era, you know, this is a a post Me Too movement movie. Um, I don't want to say we're post Me Too, but it was after, you know, the Harvey Weinstein and everything, the initial Me Too breaking um, as a concept. How do we feel they handled this? Because I initially liked it when I watched the movie, but I would love to hear like your thoughts on it.
0: Interesting. So of the, that wasn't some, that the affair situation wasn't something that kind of immediately came to mind as, for me, as one of the moments that I thought weren't as strong or, or you know, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, yeah, I didn't, I don't. I would like—I mean, I, to, not to put it back on you, but to put it back on you—I—I I feel like I'd like to hear your thoughts because I could probably be convinced that there was something problematic about it. But um, in my recollection, there wasn't anything that like too much stood out to me, other than being sort of like a like a you know a a, a mechanism to have some conflict.
1: I think. That what I appreciated about it because when it happened, it breaks in the news and like she and her husband start living apart and it becomes this like really big thing in her life. And what I loved about how they handled it is that it just got to be a thing in her life. She took a, I think she took a week off of her show, right, which she had never done, um, which she had never done, and she gets to come back and kind of make a little bit of a joke about it, but all in all, not really address it. And so often in movies, we see especially older women. They're either the cougar or they're, um, you know, a spinster or they, we just never see them as what Emma Thompson is in this movie. And what I liked about it is she kind of got to handle it like a man does. Mm. She kind of got to handle it the way that, um, you know, we've seen Alec Baldwin handle things and Kelsey Grammer and like these guys just kind of get to do what they do. Brad Pitt, like they have affairs all of the time. And they, aren't, they don't like, lose their career oops. over it. They don't have to apologize about it. They don't have to. It gets to just be an oopsie. Yeah. And the scene with her and her husband when he talks about, you know, life is like a series of mistakes. He talks about how they met um, because he left his family and his wife for Emma Thompson. Um, and, you know, he basically says shit happens, life happens, and we find ourselves in like a really unique position me with my illness, you with now your turning point in your career. Um, I loved it. I think that there's just some, there's such a permission granting Mm. in how they handled that. Because Mm. when it first started, I was like, "Whoa, here we go. They're going to like pull her off the air. It's going to be this whole thing she has to recover from. And it wasn't. So I thought it was really cool the way it was handled.
0: Yeah, oh, I, you see, I thought when you brought it up, I thought you were going to talk about something problematic about it, but...
1: I think because I thought it was going to go down yeah. the Me Too path, yeah. and I was a little nervous about that, but it didn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, what didn't you like about this film? <laughs> I'm so curious.
0: <laughs> well, the two, two things that stick out for me, one is... Um, I think you, you sort of had a throwaway line earlier in our discussion that I think um I agree with is like the men in this movie. is just like why? What's the point? She Mindy Kaling has a little bit of a romance with one of the writers and Ugh. it's like horrible. Horrible. And then like <laughs> at the end she ends up with the the writer that she was most in competition with for writing the monologue. And like, you know, they the the they do like a a year later and they're like, you know, sharing all the work. And I'm just like, why? We don't need why? that. There's no, I don't know. I get, I understand the impulse that like, it's nice to see some romance on screen. It's nice to see some flirtation on screen. Like, I love a romantic comedy, but they didn't even really build any of that. Like there, that wasn't, the, it was just sort of like an aside, like an afterthought, like, oh yeah. And they're now together. Why? She doesn't need him. He why? doesn't like, why? that. They had
1: no chemistry. I actually, when she shows up with the bottle of vodka and the cupcakes, I'm like, is this still happening? Right. And it's the guy, it's like, (laughs) yeah, I just, yeah, I didn't, uh, yeah. It was such a profound afterthought and such a weird way to kind of make us identify more with her. I wanted to identify with her through the work. I wanted to identify with her through like commuting from Queens to this job in midtown Manhattan. And I think she, it's like, we did, like I did identify with that. And but it like more. Fun. I would yeah. have like every single scene <laughs> at one point at one point I was watching this movie and I was like, That looks like Hugh Dancy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And I like I go I like I am TV'd the movie I'm like, no, it, it is Hugh Dancy. Mm. I was like, You're I'm not even paying attention to what you're saying. No, not you at all. You kind of look like a guy named Hugh Dancy. And like
0: Maybe I, because I I saw the movie a few months ago, so maybe I'm not fully remembering, but like, even when she, like, right, shows up and he's, like, with another woman, I'm like, but you guys, didn't you guys talk about the fact that, like, I, I feel like I'd remember they're talking about the fact that, like, this is a bad idea and, like, he's sort of a womanizer. It's not like they had a conversation about being in a, and I'm not, like, condoning that behavior of sleeping with somebody, multiple people at once, and especially when you're working with one of them, but it wasn't like, such a shocker it wasn't like he was portraying himself to be a good guy at all it's the, just their whole dynamic the was that she shouldn't date him yeah. and then it was like <laughs> oh yeah you you
1: really shouldn't like and she, it was almost out of character for her because she's so headstrong she literally comes to do this interview at uh, at the show because she like comes to it through an opportunity she won right. at the chemical plant that she works at to meet a CEO. So she met the CEO of the parent company of the parent company right. that owns the television. Which I love. Show. That. I like that. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's so funny. And it's like, that's like this woman is so comfortable outside of her comfort zone that she doesn't need to be like bringing vodka and cupcakes to this Idiot, loser. Like, losers' apartment. It's just so. It's such a waste of screen time, and I think that that's my biggest criticism, perhaps, of this movie is that like it wasted time when it had two extremely strong female leads who were doing an amazing job of carrying this movie. And I think, if anything, I wanted to see more John Lithgow and mm. Emma Thompson together. I wanted to see more Mindy Kaling navigating the work and how to write jokes and figuring out how to um, kind of be a part of this new world she found herself in and put herself in. But I did not need any romantic comedy aspect of it. Certainly not in the way that it was
0: executed. Like, yeah, I don't feel like it... uh, Yeah, not only did it not add, it actually maybe took away. Yeah. And the other um, kind of criticism I have uh, is i don 't love how removed from the work Emma Thompson is at the beginning, because I think it it's, goes against what, who her character is, who's somebody who's very much about the work and has yeah. you know never missed a day in the however you know fifteen years, 20 years of the show's been on the air, and all that, so the fact that she like didn't know any of her writers' names and had never been in the writer's room, and I've never worked in late night TV, so maybe that happens a lot, but it just didn't seem she was so removed mm-hmm. from work or from caring and that just
1: didn't it didn't quite track for me yeah I agree with that the show was so beloved to her and yet she was so removed from the process of creating it
0: right that she didn't know she hadn't been in the writer's room in years she didn't know any of their names she like wasn't really watching some of the um movies of the guests that are coming on like then then why is she still doing it like why does she care so so much
1: yeah that's a great point actually and I think that like she you know, they make the comment that she keeps bringing on like novelists and like intellectuals. Right. Um, and I think that like she is out of touch and they try to make that about her age, but they don't even make that really a sell. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I think that it's like she would not be, she's the face of it. She is, she is the show. And she cares deeply. And she cares deeply about it. And that's shown when it's threatened and almost, and, almost taken away from her and so it's like if you if you're that removed from the team that you're working with you should have your show taken away like that's a horrible abuse of power right right you're (laughs) not doing your job right yeah so um yeah I completely agree I think it was a really weird setup yeah and then my one other thing and I
0: did I did really like the movie I promise um is when you know, it's it's established early on that Mindy Kaling is co-hosting an event that's really meaningful to her, and so she has to leave work early. And so, you know, but then they, it's you know, they get caught in a situation where they have to be in the writers' room late, and she's like, "I have to go. I have a commitment already." And Emma Thompson's like, "If you go, you're going to be fired." And she chooses the commitment, and she goes, and then Emma Thompson follows her, then performs for like, I was, to me, I was like what is what's happening right now like uh, and so I because I work you know I've worked in television I work in entertainment I do have a skewed view of like boundaries with work and life like I don't have like I'm not the person to go like assess whether or not it was like reasonable for for her to leave or not because I struggle with that in my own life and I've like missed you know, I'm working on it for myself, but I've like, missed many personal things, maybe not something as important, um, but for the sake of staying late at work. Um, but then, like, why
1: did she follow? Like, no, that sort of, like... None of that made sense.
0: It was, to me, like, as I was watching the movie, I was, like, going along with it, because, like, it's not that serious of a movie, and I was like, okay, this is happening, and it was fine, but sort of, like, if if you're delving into an analysis of it, it's like, well...
1: Well, it's toxic. Huh? Yeah. It's toxic. It's like that. It's like those friends that agree to go to a friend's party and then the one friend doesn't feel like going because the ex boyfriend's going to be there. So the other friend goes and then it's a problem. But then the other friend shows up anyways and we all have a great time at the party. Like I was like, what is going on again? More time wasting more. I think it was meant to show that at the so at the charity event, Emma Thompson does stand up and she bombs until she starts talking about her age and until she starts kind of talking about things that are more personal to her. It's a learning for her that she now needs to include that in her show, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: Right, I think they could have gotten her to that point on that stage in a different way than having this weird like, oh, I'm I'm gonna jeopardize this job that I've worked so hard for because you say if I go, you're gonna fire me while I'm going anyway. Like I don't I don't believe that Mindy... Kaling's character would have decided that even though this event was so important. Yeah. So was the job. And like that's not a good situation that's not a healthy situation to be in. But I don't believe that she would have
1: had the moral integrity to choose like. No. She's going to go back and work at a chemical plant now. Like (laughs) I think what would have been so much more powerful is like so this entire time Mindy Kaling is trying to convince Emma Thompson that she needs to start including more personal things in her monologue and in her show in order to captured her audience and her audience's interest because she's just playing it so safe and things are so beige on her show and I think what would have been much more true to the characters is Mindy Kaling still saying I need to leave because I need to go host this charity event Emma Thompson kind of being shitty about it but then Mindy Kaling like challenging her hey it's a stand-up show I think you sh- I watched they show her watching her stand-up in 1985 like let's see you do your thing. Let's see you do your craft and kind of challenging her in front of the writer's room to like put her money where her mouth is and come to the event with her to then do this set where she starts to kind of be more vulnerable. Yes, I'm nodding emphatically. I, <laughs> I completely agree. That would have been a stronger setup. I think it just didn't make any sense for her to be like, well, fuck it. Like I just quit then. Like what? You just right. started?
0: <laughs> right. She just started. She's just getting her, yeah. you know, footing. And then, and then like she, She's fired, and then because Emma Thompson has this like revolutionary experience, she's like, "Oh, just kidding! You're back on the sh- you 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 weren't really fired or quit or whatever. Like you
1: still right? I think it would have just shown had you know Mindy Kaling re- just rewritten her movie to what I think she should do. <laughs> um, I think it just would have also strengthened their relationship quite a bit. That oh, this woman does actually have a good hit on what I should be doing with my show and is proving why I hired her, right. and I'm going to now go down this path of including more of these jokes in my show and, and making it more my own. Um, but yeah, it was a really weird, it was a really weird thing. I didn't quite, yeah, I agree. I didn't think about it that deeply when I was watching it, but now that you brought it up, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, anything else? Like anything else about this movie? I feel like I really loved it and I would love to kind of get more eyeballs on it mm. because I think it's talking about really important things. Um, and I think that it was marketed really poorly, but um, it's, like, don't sleep on it. I like Late Night. Yeah, I like it, too, despite despite I feel like I had a lot of cri- more
0: criticism than I sort of expected to have um, going into knowing this would be one of our episodes, but, um, yeah, I think it is a delightful movie, and I, I would be curious other people's thoughts on yeah. it. Um, yeah, and I love I love talking about, you know, age in Hollywood and mm-hmm. gender and race and all of that. I think they're good conversations
1: that need to be had. Yeah. The ageism of it all is really interesting in this yeah. movie. When she says she's a woman in her mid fifties, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, is that a joke? <laughs> it's so funny. But, um, yes, I think, I think it's bringing up really important stuff around age. And I think that, uh, I was gonna say something and it just popped right out of my head as it does but um, yeah it was a delight I think I could stand to watch an entire show about this setup Mm. I would love to watch a show that's like showing the inner workings of a late night TV show starring Emma Thompson yes I agree
0: yeah they should you know what they should have done as a promotion for the movie they should have had like conducted an episode like had Emma Thompson host yeah. a late night show for like a few episodes and had that be the promotion for the movie. Cause I would watch that.
1: Totally. This is how I always, I mean, yeah, it would have been brilliant to have her like pretend that she has a show and everyone's like, wait, what? Yeah. What's going on? And then yeah. you see the movie. I agree. And I, I think about that for Mrs. Maisel too. I don't know if you watched the Marvelous Mrs. Yeah, Maisel. Very much. Love I th- it. I think the way they need to be promoting that show and it's won Emmys and Golden Globes. So clearly they're not struggling, but I think it would be so fun to promote it as an Amazon comedy special mm. where it's like you're seeing like come see Mrs. Maisel do stand up the new stand up special with Mrs. Maisel like that's and have that be the way people come to it. Yeah. Um. But yeah. I love like little things like that like with Barry when they had the posters in the subway for like come see the acting yeah. school and like all that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: I did. I liked those promotions for Barry too. But I did have I did wonder how many people understood that it was marketing like. I knew what it was marketing, but like I feel like there's probably a lot of New Yorkers that are like, oh, there's some mm, acting class, another that, acting class. Yeah, they like don't register
1: that it's Henry Winkler and that guy from Happy Days. Yes. Yeah. And one or two other things. And he's been in it, some other stuff. He has a career, whatever. Um, are you watching anything? Are you like really into any movies, TV shows? Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Well, I feel like you're always watching things. <gasps> part of the reason I keep you around. Yes.
0: Instead of leaving my house, I like to just consume <laughs> entertainment. And you can always count on you. Yeah. Um. Hmm. I am watching things. What am I watching? I'm nervous for you right now. Thank you. I thought it would be an easy question. Yeah. And I regret it. Yeah. Well, just to bring the conversation full circle, I am an awkward human. Um, <laughs> uh. Well, I I really watched and enjoyed, and we we're going to talk about it, but we didn't glow season uh. three.
1: Um, you have a massive crush on Mark Maron. Well, you know, I'm not sure I want to bring it up like this late in the episode, but that it's an interesting thing because I I
0: do find Mark Maron to be very attractive, and it confuses me. <laughs> um, and without making this a glow conversation, there was a moment in season three that really turned me off from that, so now I feel even more confused.
1: Yeah, the ick factor, on that was the factor off on that was, the charts. Yeah.
0: but um, but yes, I do find Mark Marin to be very sexy. Um, I think this. Is-
1: <laughs> I'm the minority. Like, I make You're- fun of you, but every person I've asked, they're like, "Yes, Diana, what's wrong with you?" And I'm like,
0: "That's interesting," because I definitely like when I texted you my feelings about Mark. Um, <laughs> I was like, t- was very. I was like, I need to tell you something. I need. Right, you, I were, need- you
1: were like divesting this yourself
0: is, of it. Yeah um what else am i watching i'm watching uh i've talked to you about this before letter kenny on hulu which i think you'll hate great so much like i think you'll hate it um maybe i'll love it like late night maybe it'll all come around no i don't think so but maybe um we can try it takes place in canada so there's that for you
1: oh so i probably will like it then (laughs) that's probably just gonna be fine then um, Isn't it like being marketed as like the new
0: Shits Creek? Yeah, but I disagree with that marketing. That's what, that's what led me to watches. I saw like a New Yorker article or something about that. And, but then I'm like, well, yes, they're both in small towns. So there's that commonality and mm. not a lot else.
1: In Canada, we only ever show, like the most successful TV shows are always set in small towns. So we really try to hold on. Mm. Um, it's fine. What else, are you watching anything? Um, I'm watching Succession and love, love, loving every freaking minute of, of it. I not it yet, but I want to. I need you to watch it because I just think, it's funny because it's not, I think about this every day <laughs> on my walk to work, which will tell you the kind of human I am. I'm like, is it feminist? Mm. And it's not not feminist. I think what's more interesting about Succession is that all of the children are equal. And I say children, they're all 40. Um, but it's this—it's like the story of, I've talked about it on the show before, I should really just do an episode, but um, it's essentially like a Rupert Murdoch story of this like gajillionaire trying to find the successor to his company and he has three sons and a daughter and they're all kind of vying for the CEO position and he treats them all completely the same and men and women are not it's a weird like world where their gender doesn't really come into play it's almost like post-feminist but not in a way that's like (laughs) maybe this is why i need to bring someone on who hates it just so i can ground myself in some reality because i'm like i love it it's great and then maybe it's not but i'm watching succession um and then i feel like i just finished a bunch of stuff like Mm -hmm. i feel like i just finished mind hunter i just finished like Nothing really. I'm watching Four Weddings and a Funeral, which I should stop. Speaking of Mindy Kaling, right? I wanted to like it. I don't, but I come back for more.
0: I have just not started watching I am because I
1: don't think it looks very good. You are correct,
0: and also you've texted me that it's not very good. Right. So I'm doing
1: I'm doing the legwork for you as yeah. you are doing for me on Lenny, Letterkenny? Letter Kenny.
0: Letter Letter Kenny, but again, I don't. <laughs> I, I really actually want you to watch it because I think Letterkenny is feminist, but I
1: think you're going to think it's not. I mean, if that isn't a call to action and challenge Drama accepted, I don't know intrigue. what is. Yeah. Coming up on Beaver Talk. Letterkenny. I love it. I'm going to do it. Any other thoughts? Any other musings? Um, Hollywood should hire
0: people of color and women <laughs> to write shit because it's really important that's how you get it
1: from the rooftops um it's happening it's happening and i hope we don't take a big slide back because we can't afford it so i agree
0: well thanks for having me happy feminist wednesday thank you for being
1: here happy feminist wednesday